This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Dittman Research. Do you know what the most valuable thing in the world is? High quality information. Because high quality information informs much better decision making. Dittman Research has been providing high quality information to Alaska's leading businesses, organizations, and campaigns for 50 years. Do you really know what Alaskans think about your company or your issue? How about your clients, your shareholders, or your employees? So stop fumbling around in the dark. Hire Dittman Research and find out what's really going on. DittmanResearch.com Okay, back here with uh, one of my favorite guests, Senator Lisa Murkowski. How you doing? Good to be back home. Good to be talking to you, Jeff. You're always you're, always, you're so busy. It's like the schedule is coming. How, how does your schedule work? Is it blocks? Uh, it's it's a really nice, well thought out, well structured thing at the beginning of the day, and probably by ten o'clock in the morning, it's all gone to hell in a handbasket because stuff happens, and so you just try to get through. Uh, you try to get through every day as as it comes. But yeah, you know, when I'm here in the state for a, a block of time, whether it's a week or over the fourth, we were here for two weeks, you, know, you kind of block it in that. Mm-hmm. And then you have the DC block and the Alaska block. And one thing that is constant is that there is never a day that's the same. So oh, that can be good. Every... That can be bad. Well, you, luckily you have, the, you have the entourage or the staff that helps you out. Yeah, but you know, I got to have my own space too. So it's like, you can pick me up, but I want to drive my own truck. You, do you drive? Yeah. So I remember I asked Governor Walker a couple of years ago, we did a podcast and I asked him if he, if he drove and he said, well, if they let me, but he kind of, he kind of said it was a little bit hard to get the keys. Well, I think it's harder when you're the governor, but uh, I, yeah, I drive myself when I'm in Washington DC though. I just don't drive. I walk. When you're driving in Alaska, when you're like at a stop, like do people ever say, oh my God, hi. Oh yeah. Yeah. As uh, a couple of days ago, I was sitting at the stoplight, and there were two girls in a, uh, two young women in a, in a, in a U-Haul uh, truck, and they're waving at me. I rolled down my window. I said, "Where are you moving from?" They're like, "We're just, we're moving from apartments, but we just can't believe that we've seen you." It's like, wow. That's like celebrity. I don't know that it's celebrity. Maybe they needed some help moving the couch, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, you know. You, you lend a hand where you need to lend a That's probably a, hand. a couple of votes, you know. It's probably it's a couple of votes. Help move. Help move. I was moving my own carpet in the Capitol building a, a couple months ago, and people were like, what, is she stealing the, the carpet? <laughs> she, she's like, out. no, I just needed to move the carpet from one room to another, and it was just as easy to pick it up, and roll it up, and put it under my arm, and move it. That's good. Great. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about, first, the infrastructure yes. bill that you were yes. pretty prominently featured yeah. in. Uh, with Senator Romney and uh, Senator Sinema and I think seven or eight others. There's a group of 10 of us. Yeah. Um, it's a group of 10. Uh, the, for the large part, it's uh, some of the same folks that gathered at uh, in November of last year when the uh, COVID relief measure had kind of gotten stalled out. And we came together, had dinner at my house and said, look, this is just not acceptable that we can't figure out a path forward. Um, we gave a pretty good template, and we were able to to reach, I think, a good deal at the end of the year. Um, when it came to infrastructure, we looked at the president's proposal. It was 2.4 or 2.9 trillion, depending on how you cut it. And most of it, uh, of us looked at it and said, "This is we need to do infrastructure. We recognize that that investments in infrastructure are are really legacy investments. They they really yield." Um, 
uh, considerable benefit. It helps us be more competitive. It's just good all the way around. But, but really, are we going to go $2.9 trillion in addition to everything else that we have spent last year? And, and in looking at what the president had included, it was, it was everything from what we would consider hard infrastructure, like mm. roads, rails, bridges. But it was also um, this, this, he calls it the, the human, human infrastructure That's what I think side. a lot of people were, were kind of asking, you know, the daycare or, yeah. or the workers, certain workers, uh, which I think is great. We should. It's, it's important. It's, I'm not suggesting that, that, that daycare and um, long-term care facilities, uh, that, that uh, support for students, that these aren't important. But if you're going to be branding something in infrastructure mm-hmm. bill, let's just talk about truth in advertising. Why can't we take an infrastructure, build an infrastructure package centered on what most Americans would think is real infrastructure. So that's what this bipartisan group did. So 10 of us, five, five Republicans, five Democrats sat down and said, what, how do we want to define it? And then once we define it, let's talk about realistic pay-fors because we think it's important that this be paid for. So how we have shaped the definition, if you will, is, is again, focused on, on hard infrastructure, roads, rails, bridges. Um, I have reminded everybody that not everywhere in the country um, are your roads on land. For us here in Alaska, if you're from Southeast, your roads are, are the marine highway system. So let's make sure that we've got an expansive enough view to, to incorporate other other types of, of infrastructure. Um, so support for, for, for airports, but also recognizing that um, infrastructure is also how we're communicating. Mm-hmm. Broadband is, is, is key and important. So a significant piece there uh, focused on energy and energy production infrastructure. So we've, we have um, we've defined it, we've identified pay-fors, the president, uh, we met with the president, had a great meeting in the Oval Office. He came out uh, with us to, to stand in front of the press, endorsed it, and uh, now we're writing the bill. There was the one picture, I don't know if you saw it, Twitter kind of liked it. You couldn't really see you. I was, was, I was like right a, behind it. There was it. one picture, yeah. you could see it, you, but there was another one that kind of took off and you were standing, you could see your feet. Yeah. But you yeah, couldn't, yeah. See, so everybody was, was like, it was kind of a Twitter love. Everyone knew it was my shoes because look, I wear these, <laughs> these flat, ugly shoes, but it allows me to walk quickly. So, so you mentioned the ferries and I don't know, I'm mm-hmm. sure you saw that the two big ones just went on the, this like yeah. boat to Ibiza. They're going to Spain now. They're going to be, my heart. they're going to be ferries from, from, for partiers to go to, you know, this big party island. It's kind of funny how they ended up, you know, if, if we, this is going back about 10 or 12 years when, we paid the state paid for those two ferries in Ketchikan mm-hmm. with, with vigor, mm-hmm. and if we would have competitively bid that because they paid for, it, they wanted to build them in Ketchikan, which I, I understand that, but it was I think three hundred million dollars, and if we would have competitively bid that, they probably would have been able to build a whole new fleet because of federal match money. Well, you know, it's I think it's important that we try to build build out our capacity when it comes to to our shipyards, and so I've been supportive of that. Um, you know, the thing that just broke my heart with those two ships, the Teslina and the Hubbard. Those are nice. Beautiful, beautiful ships. But then what? They don't match up with the terminals that they're yeah. traveling to? 
Who made that mistake? It's a government uh, Oh, my gosh. And then the Malaspina, yeah. they're trying to give that to the Philippines. They, they tried to give it away. The governor wrote a letter and said, you guys can have it. You can have it. For free. And I, I don't know, Jeff. I, maybe it's because, you know, I, growing up as a kid in Southeast, that's how we traveled. When we moved from Wrangell to go down to Ketchikan uh, to visit grandparents, you know, you rode the ferry. When there was basketball tournaments or something going on in Petersburg, you rode the ferry. That's how we... That's how we got around. Mm. That was a long time ago. That was actually before Alaska had oil money. Somehow or other, we were, we were able to put together a pretty efficient, affordable system. I mean, even up until recently, I have a friend who has a business in Juneau, a car business. And mm-hmm. I used to help when I was younger drive cars through Haynes. And it was just such an efficient, it was a yeah. great, there were so many op- options to get on the ferry and big ones and fast ones and smaller yeah. ones. And now it just seems the last several years, it's been this kind of... You've got an unreliable system, which if you can't count on whether or not the boat's going to come, if you're the coach and you have to move 20, 20 kids for your, for your softball team or whatever, you're going to look at it and say, geez, you know, we, if we can't count on it, we're going to have to come up with our alternative. I got so, really mad when they stopped serving alcohol. For me personally, that was my, how do you not make money? How do you lose yeah. money on booze? I mean, that's the one yeah. thing that everybody always makes money on. Well, I... And it's nice to have a... Cocktail. It's, it, well, it's nice. I mean, you know, you're sitting on the ferry for eight hours. Um, you got to look for those ways that you can make some money. Uh, again, I mentioned that I was riding those ferries when I was young, but back in the day, they had dining rooms with a white tablecloth and waiters. Yeah. That's the kind of service we It's almost had. like airline, you know, the airlines back yeah. in the 50s, and they yeah, used to yeah, be very yeah. luxurious, and now it's like... Yeah, it makes me sound really old, but I mean, I, I guess my point is, is... We were able to figure out how to make a system work, and we were able to do it in an efficient way that allowed for, for people to move around um, and in a way that was not only efficient, but it was enjoyable. It was oh, enjoyable. Yeah, the, I like riding the ferry. Yeah. It's a good time. Yeah. Um, so going back to the infrastructure, I was just curious, how did that group come together? I know they have the Gang of Eight in the past and yeah. these different... How does that happen? Do people so, kind of get together and say, these are our people we're going to put on the team? It, it, I think for the purposes of this gang of uh, 10, and we're actually now a group of 22, the G22 is what we're calling us, um, it, it, it originated with this same group that came together last November for the, the COVID relief. And it was, that was, me and Mark Warner were bemoaning the fact that nothing had happened on COVID. And he said, you know, we should, we should uh, get together with a bipartisan group, a small group, and, and talk about it. And uh, he suggested you know, a room in the Capitol. And I said, you know, we need to get off campus. We need to just, we need to be where we can just really talk. And he says, okay, um, I'll buy dinner. And I said, okay, do it at my house. We had takeout and uh, we sat around the, the you're at your house at my house in Washington DC wow. and it was do people know that has that been uh, yeah yeah I've, I've told people yeah the, the, awesome. the dinner at my house uh, kind of spawned this this group of people and we spent so much time together not you know that was the dinner but we were talking every day we text like like high schoolers do we've got do you guys have a group, group text we've got a group text oh, wow. oh yeah 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 and it really is actually kind of a funny group text because are there emojis or memes? There are emojis. Um, 
but you're, it, just, you're just like everybody else. It, we're like everybody <laughs> else, but we we built some trust with that group of ten. And so when infrastructure came around, it was there was a there was kind of a natural group where we knew that um, that we could talk openly with one another, try to figure out uh, you know not only the politics but the policy, and and we had also found that. Um, from that initial group, there were a lot of people that were like, well, wait a minute. I, I wanted to be part of that. Add, kind add, of, me, add me to the text group. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, they want to be part of the cool kids or whatever. It was like, no, this is serious work. But, but so that's how it's expanded. Um, we went from that original group of five and five, but you realize that 10 isn't going to cut it. You've got to be able to add up to, to get more than 60. And so we expanded that out. And, and and now again we've got uh, we've got eleven on each side. I wasn't going to ask. I wasn't even planning to ask about this, but the the filibuster. I mean, this has been mm-hmm. talked about all, all, on all sides for a long time. Uh, where are you at on that? Is that a good thing you know, or is it a bad thing? The filibuster is a is a legislative tool that is designed to protect the minority. And when you're in the majority. It's just something that gets in your way. It slows down your progress. But when you're in the minority, you recognize that it is, it's one of, the, one of the breaking mechanisms that's pretty important, that you just can't use pure political muscle like they do in the House. This is a unique, role, a unique rule in the Senate. So I am adamant that we protect the filibuster for all of the right Reasons. So Harry didn't Harry Reid remove part of it for mm-hmm. the judges, and he this did. has come back to came really, back to bite him. Yeah. It came back to bite him in a big way because then when Trump wanted to move all of his judicial nominees, they had removed the break, and so the Democrats are complaining right and left about oh you know you, you, you they they just railroaded through. Well, that's because you took off you the Democrats let it. And you removed that that legislative tempering so, so to device. Remove, to, to, to remove the filibuster, is it 51 or is it no, si- 60? So it's still 60. Excuse me. In order to change the rules, they could change the rules with 51. Right. That's so, yeah. so, and this is. So that's, that's where the, the pivot point is the, with people like Joe Manchin. Manchin, right. He's the one who's kind of. Yeah. And I think even Kristen Cinema, she's. Kirsten Cinema is. is in there as well. She has spoken very clearly about the need for protection of minority rights. Because remember, you 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 can be in the majority today, but next election you're going to be in the minority. We have we have a different thing in Alaska. You know, in the legislature you were in there, but we have the three quarter vote, which right. is essentially this is sure you've been watching lately. And yeah. even the two third, even the procedural effective date vote has now become. Who a, would have thought that the effective date would have mm-hmm. been such a a political tool? It never. It never um, was. Never Miles was. Baker, my buddy, who's now uh-huh. working for the governor, he used to, used to work in, um, for you, right? He was with me, yeah, he, he and with the university. He always told me that uh, from when he first started working in Juneau, he never thought it would get crazy. Like, every year you think it can't get crazier, but, like, it always gets crazier. Something else always comes up that no one ever thought about every year. Something new happens. And, you know, it's, it's interesting to have this particular discussion because whether it's in Juneau with the effective date or whether it's in D.C. with the filibuster, you know, these rules have been in place for a long time, and we've respected them. We've respected that these, these protocols, these rules, these 
these outlines, these frameworks that we put in place um, are, are there for a purpose. And it's not as if we've changed the rules. We've just decided that we're going to dis, we're going to utilize the rules mm-hmm. in a way that is going to benefit one side over the other. And so we have to be really, I think we need to be cautious in, in changing things that are going to benefit one side for today in thinking that this is going to be good going forward. You may be in a situation where Harry Reid is now, ruining the day that he led the, the fight to eliminate yeah. the filibuster on judges. So I, I mentioned the legislature, and yesterday there was this new fiscal comprehensive plan working group they've created. It's two members from each caucus. They had their first meeting yesterday, and it was kind of a, like a love fest situation. But it reminded me, and this is basically going back to the, the problems we have. We have the three levers. There's a permanent fund, there's spending, and there's revenues. I mean, and this, pretty simple. This, this reminded me of a, of a report Andrew Halcrow gave me, the Fiscal Policy Caucus of 2000, 2001, which you were a member of. Yeah. And you read that report, and what I thought about doing was just putting it out there and remo- removing the dates <laughs> and saying, here, you guys, here's, yeah. the, here's the report. You, yeah. I did your work for you? Yeah. Because you guys did that 20 years ago. We did. Same, same problem, same issues, same solutions. And Governor Walker, you know, the permanent div- dividend was the big one, but mm-hmm. same kind of, you know, same kind of stuff. And I just, yeah. it seems frustrating that the state, I've been here seven, almost 17 years, and people have been a lot longer than me, but it seems like we can never get over the hurdle on these big Big problems. You know, and it seems to me that the, the difference between uh, the timing of the fiscal policy group that I was part of and, and where this newly formed group is now is the price of oil and the size of our permanent fund. Um, you know, in 2000, uh, when, in, in, in 1999, uh, we were looking, we were, we were sitting at $9 a barrel, went up to 11 or It started at 11 went down to 9 and then things moved back up from there. Um, and, and so it was like, oh, my gosh, we absolutely positively must act today. And, and then what happens, if I, I say it's, it's like the rich uncle dying. All of a sudden, we got money coming in because the price of oil went up. You know, there was an international Happened in the, in the, 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 after the 80s, the Gulf War. Yeah. Exxon Valdez, you know, these yeah. things happen. And, and so, boom, all of a sudden, the coffers are filled up again, and we don't need to be fiscally responsible anymore because, because there has been an, an event, whether it is it's something that's moved the price of oil up. Um, and, and lo and behold, we don't need to solve our problems. Well, here we are 20 years later, and as you accurately point out, same problem, same solutions. We're just 20 years down the road in, in dealing with them. And so, you know, I, 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 I wish uh, this working group well. Um, as an Alaskan, it's important to me to know that our state is on good, solid fiscal um, ground. Uh, but I think we know that it's still, it's kind of like this, this, uh, this Cook Inlet um, tidal area out there. It's kind of wobbly. You got to watch, watch out walking out there. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to ask you, speaking of the kind of the economy, um, to- the tourism, the cruise ships. Yes. This whole bill, there was a big The uh, Alaska focus. Tourism Recovery Act 
legislation that uh, I introduced when when we realized that um, with Canada not only shutting off the the, the land access to pretty limited travel, mm-hmm. uh, essential uh, workers only, um, but then the impact to our tourist economy by saying no sale into Canadian uh, waters. Uh, you had that in conjunction with the CDC. But we all saw the impact to the tourism industry around the state last year. You know, we went... We went from a situation where in 2019 we had 1.3 million tourists who came to Alaska by cruise ship. Yep. In 2020, there were 48 passengers who came to Alaska by it's a ship. It's really incredible. And so when you think about it, it's like, holy smokes, how do you, how do you have an economy? How do you have a business? And, and that was the problem. We didn't have an economy and we didn't have a lot of businesses. And so... Um, we needed to do something, but we have a law in place called the Passenger Vessel Services Act, the PVSA. From like 18... 18... You long know, time ago. Yeah, it's over, over 120 years old. It's this a, is kind of like the Jones Act, but for passengers. Exactly. Not for cargo. Not for cargo. And so, you know, there's a valid, legitimate purpose for it. We want to encourage, um, you know, more U.S. ships, more U.S. workers. It all makes sense. This is a U.S. law designed to protect us. And what it was doing was the only ones that were being protected by it were the Canadians. And so you look at it and it's like, this does not work here. We had to do a bypass. We had to get a waiver. And when I first started out with a proposal, I was told, well, good luck with that because that's just not going to happen. You're not going to be able to get an exemption. Well, they've tried to do it with the Jones Act before. They the, tried the, the to do it. The shipbuilders freak out, and they hire. They have lobbyists, and they really try to it's, stop that. It's. A, I mean, it, it's a big deal, and there have been limited um, waivers. Uh, for instance, when Puerto Rico mm-hmm. was hit by hurricane and needed to get some relief in, but very, very, very limited. So anyway, um, you know, I, I told my team. They said, "Well, we can introduce it as a, me- a, a messaging bill to let everybody know you're working hard." I'm like. Forget that. Like a resolution or something. We can't (laughs) have a messaging bill. We've got to have these ships that get turned back northward and and start bringing some people up. And anyway, long story short, uh, the full delegation got behind this, and it was was working it with every, every cabinet secretary, everybody in the administration that we knew, and, and really explaining to colleagues why it was so important for Alaska. And quite honestly, when they were, when they were shown the, the economic hit to the state because of, of the inability of the cruise ships to, to come through these Canadian waters, it, they kind of looked at it, at, at it differently because they recognized that this is not, I'm not trying to save the cruise industry. Cruise, it's a huge industry. And quite honestly, most of it is internationally based. What I'm trying to save are the mom and pop operators. These little, these little shops um, in, in Ketchikan, the guy who has the Great Alaska Fudge Company there in Juneau on Seward Street, or Franklin Street. You know, these people who have, have put everything that they have into their little business venture. We, we want to save them. And so... Tomorrow, Friday, uh, I'm going to be in Ketchikan. We're welcoming the first ship in in two years. Got to get one of those bottles of champagne and yeah. smash it on the side. Yeah, I don't know what the, the plans are, but it's going to be cool. So I wanted to ask, so you, you uh, 
were in the Senate, you overlapped with uh, now President Biden for, I guess, four or five years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I assume, you know, you probably have a relationship with him. How does that go? Do you, can you just talk to him pretty easily? Is it yeah. pretty, like, do you pick up the phone or how does, how does well, that Well, I, I, I don't have a direct line to, to the president. Um, I do can't, I can get to the White House switchboard, but um, uh, he is an individual, as you point out, I've, I've worked with him. So I had um, uh, a relationship and it was a very, very cordial um, friendly relationship. He, he was up here and spoke when Senator Stevens. He was a friend of Ted's, died, yeah. and you know they both viewed one another as Ted as as friends. You know they they might have had different political views, but I think I think they both cared for one another and for one another's family. And you you heard that when he spoke at Senator Stevens' um, memorial service. So I think it's fair to say that that we have a good solid relationship and. It's it's very apparent when I have an opportunity to to visit with him, one on one, and he's he's very, but he's a congenial kind of guy anyway. Um, but we have we have worked um, very hard, and when I say we, it's not just exclusive to me and my office. I think the Alaska delegation is working very hard to make sure that we've got um, we've got a conduit in. To, to people in the administration. So if I need to speak to the Secretary of Commerce, um, I invited the Secretary of Labor, Labor to come out to NACNIC uh, last week to see what uh, happens when you have a shortage of workers at the, at the, at the processing facilities, when the mm-hmm. run is hitting. And, uh, you know, I've, I've got his personal cell number, and I call and I talk to his wife. Um, I make it sound like we're best friends. We're not. But there is a, a rapport where um, we can have direct conversations without having to go through layers of, of congressional liaison to talk to one another about some of these issues. Uh, I got two more, two more topics. We only got about five minutes. Okay. So we'll, they're, they're, I'll big, talk they're, fast. they're both big topics. So, All right. Um, the, the, I wanted to ask you about the uh, Capitol riot insurrection. Yeah. The New York Times just came out with a yeah. video. That I mean, I knew watching it, it was bad. But you watch this video, and you you said you saw it. Yeah, I did. It was just incredible that how it was, a lot of it was going on before the speech was even over, mm-hmm. and then they got to the back the, the back entrance first, and then all these different video angles, and I mean, it just looked really hor. I mean, not not just the symbolism of it, but but just being there looked pretty scary. The, the it, video of Mitt Romney walking towards them, and that luckily that police that the police or guard turned him around. Mm-hmm. That's right, right, right there in the video. It was, um, it was, it was as bad as those individual videos that were brought together in that collective um, uh, New York Times story showed. Uh, those people who would suggest that this was just a, a an assembly of of tourists, tourists, um, Trump supporters, like a rally. Uh, it was not. It was. It was violent. It was deadly violent, and as you can clearly see, it was intended to be so. And that, to me, is 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 really the most shocking and frightening part. And also to see, and the 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 video um, mentioned this. 
to see the vulnerability of, of our center of government to this type of a riot. And I will say, I use the word insurrection because I believe that that is clearly what well, I think it's pretty obvious if they would have got to somebody they were looking for. I mean, it's no telling what would have happened, but I think it's pretty clear what the, what the outcome would have been. It wouldn't have been pleasant. It would not have been pleasant. The way you 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 have for for so many um, for so many uh, who say, well, we have to make sure that we're supporting our our our, our police um, uh, to see how the Capitol Police themselves were were not only treated but but savaged. There were over a hundred Capitol Hill police officers that were were beaten. I was in I was in my Capitol office uh, at the time that all of this was going on outside. But my office, which has a window, is down in the basement, looks right out over the Capitol Mall, right there on that um, uh, terrace. It it had been the windows had been obscured because they had built the uh, the the staging area for the inauguration. And that's one of the ways they got in. And literally, twelve feet above my my little Capitol. Uh, hideaway office there was were the windows where they gained entry by smashing them through. The video that you see of the officer who is being squeezed to death is the door that is just just around the corner from where I was sitting, literally 15 minutes from the time that we were locked into the Senate chamber and told that the, the, the Capitol had been breached and that we were secure in the chamber but not safe. And so... so it's, un- I, it's unreal when you, it think, it when is you, unreal. When you think about it. It, look, it reminds me of... There's a video of... It's 1991 in, in Russia. There was kind of a coup attempt um, and, and they, they stormed the Kremlin. And if you watch the video, it looks, just, it looks very similar. Yeah. How, how it went down. I was in I was in my I was in my Capitol office waiting to go over to the Senate because I I didn't want to go over to the House side because it was packed and it was still COVID and I'm like I'm just going to wait until the senators move over and uh, I had literally just packed up my stuff and was was getting ready to leave and I hear this this rushing down uh, this short flight of steps it's about eight steps or so and the there's a public bathroom right across the hall from me and the, the door is swung and hits the wall and, and then I hear this retching and heaving and I look outside my door and I can see that uh, it's a Capitol Hill officer who is dousing his face with water and I said, can I help you? Are you okay? And he looks up at me and his eyes were so puffed and red he, he couldn't even open his eyes, and he just kept splashing the water, and he says, no, I have to get out there and go help. And he goes stumbling up the eight stairs to go rushing out. And I had, you're, you're, you're kind of in an underground area. 
the the building is made out of granite. the The windows were boarded up downstairs because of the of the uh, uh, of the struct, the staging structure. So I couldn't see anything. So I couldn't see it. I couldn't hear it. But it was like, what is going on? And and fifteen minutes later, we were we were basically locked inside. Oh, I think everybody should watch that video. It's very telling. Very Last powerful. thing, I know you got to go, but uh, it's uh, 2022. You're up for re-election. Yep. Are, are you filing? Are you? There's the whole thing with the, the Hill about Trump coming up, and you made that comment that a lot of people were Twitter loved. Twitter loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you say something like that, Twitter freaks out. Oh, it's it's yeah. not the real world, but it's, it's not the it's real funny. world. Well, it is. It is. Um, uh, we are coming up on on 2022. Is which is when you know my term. My six-year term is is up. It's hard to believe that it's already been six years since the last time that uh, – five years now since the last time I ran. I know. It seems so like – it's just the Fairbanks oh, convention in yeah, 2016? Yeah, yeah. It seemed like it's yesterday. Just, just – yeah, it's crazy how fast it's gone. But um, what I'm doing right now, I haven't made any announcement. And, um, and Feel I free to make it here. I know. I was going to say you, no problem. you could make news here on, on your podcast. Um um, and I'm not going to make an announcement today, so sorry to, to disappoint. But what I'm doing is basically doing what Alaskans have asked me to do. They 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 want me to work hard on issues that matter to them, whether it's whether it's getting uh, a level of tourism back, whether it's helping with infrastructure, whether it's helping. We're in the midst of appropriations right now. There's so much going on. I'm up to my eyeballs in 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 every initiative. It seems that is out there. And, uh, and, and I do have my eye to, to the fact that if I want to continue trying to do good policies for Alaskans every six years, you got to ask for permission to, 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 to stay for another, uh, another term. And, uh, I'll, I'll make that decision publicly. In the meantime, uh, I'm meeting with folks, I'm, I'm raising money and doing what, uh, doing what I should to, to be prepared and and keep my options open a lot of people are watching and they keep having these weird polls and these commenters from dc talking about because the ranked choice voting and the whole difference so it's uh it's one of the races people are going to be yeah. watching and pretty close it, i think it, it will be i think one of the things that i've learned um is that none of the races that i've been part of have ever really been easy or ordinary um this will probably prove to to be much uh, uh much along those lines um, I, uh, I, I know that, uh, uh, former president Trump, um, is, is, uh, skeptical about, um, me and, uh, and the job that, that I do for Alaska, but I really think that that's for Alaskans to judge. Do you think he's going to come up here? You know, he's threatened to, um, he's threatened to do a lot um, to those who have stood up to him. And sometimes there's some carry through and sometimes maybe it's just, uh, idle words or idle threats, but I can't let that influence, uh, what I do and how I do it and who I do it for. Um, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not doing this job because, uh, I, I, I want or need the title um, I do it because Alaskans have have given me their support and um, have asked me to to do the 
the best job that I can to the best of my ability and to stand up with an independent voice um, and sometimes uh, without regard to political consequence on the other end, but to, to be that voice for Alaska. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the, the show. I know you're busy and you're, when you're in Alaska, it's, it's, uh, the schedule's pretty packed. So I really yeah, appreciate you taking good. the time. And uh, good luck in Ketchikan with the ship. Thank and, you. And when do you go back to heading back pretty soon? Or? Well, I'm going to be in Ketchikan, and then I'm uh, going to hop over to Sitka. Uh, one of the things that um, I've been looking at when we think about, again, infrastructure, um, is what more can we do to help our ferry systems? And um, one of the initiatives that's out there is not only moving to low-carbon transit specific to buses, but why can't we we emulate some of what you see in Scandinavia with electric electric ferries? Mm -hmm. You know, you've got the whole whole of Southeast that's powered by nice, clean hydropower. Um, You've got shorter runs. It's it's just something that... uh, I think as Alaskans, it's always good when we think about ways that we can be pioneering and, and showing the rest of the country, the rest of the world, how things can be done and, and in an innovative way. So it's going to well, be a good weekend, and then I go back to D.C. Well, again, Senator Murkowski, thanks for coming on the, the podcast, and um, we'll do it again in the future. Looking, looking forward, look forward to it. I look forward to it. Have a good summer, Thanks Jeff. again, folks. Right. If you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, uh, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.